Hey everyone, welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in John chapter 9. It reads, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned, or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but it is like him. But he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and washed. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes, he said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight, until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight, and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Today for our guests, we have Chad back with us. And Chad, as you read through this passage, what is it that sticks out to you that you'd like for us to hone in and focus on today? Well, I think when you look at this passage, this is what you see is you see Christ who comes along and heals a blind man, a blind man that had been blind for years. And as you talk through with people and you think through like their responses, that there was a transformation that occurred. And it's a reminder like for us is like, uh, as I was reading this passage, like, man, Christ is such a spiritual transformation in our life that changes us and transforms us, just like he did a physical transformation in this man's life. And then you can see kind of the impact of the onlookers of they knew he was blind, or but then they start questioning those things and they question just who this person is. 
and it's the person's given every evidence he was blind. His family sees him uh, that he was blind and that he was changed to see. And I think it's a reminder to us, like, we're going to be changed. We can be transformed and other people around us can be transformed and we're going to receive it and how, and the expectations of how others receive us. Like it's going to be met with mixed expectations. There could be skepticism, but it doesn't mean that we haven't been transformed. We trans, we live the transformed life. And really as Romans 8, 28 and 29 says that we live it for really make Christ famous because that's what this is doing. It's making Christ famous for that transformation. And that's the same intent is to, for Christ's fame to go as he transforms our lives. No, Chad, I really appreciate how you form that because when I look at this guy, I think about what he's just gained physically in this miracle. He's been a seemingly worthless individual to society. He's blind at that point in time in history. They really didn't do anything to help those types of people. He was begging for everything he had. And so he gains a full life in this physical transformation, yet he's willing to put all of that on the line because of the spiritual transformation that's accompanying that. And we really see at the end of the chapter that that is grown to fulfillment and grown to true belief. But even before that, he's willing to say, no, I know that this person who did this for me is far different than anything else that you're understanding. And he's willing to give up his whole brand new, amazing life compared to what he had as this not great life because of what Christ has done for him. And I think that's a testament to us about what it should look like for us to be willing to walk forward in obedience when our life has been transformed. Yeah. And that's what, uh, you know, when that transformation occurs, right? That there's always things on the line. We're going to have to give things up. I mean, you see it with his, this blind man's parents. They're like, uh, go ask them. We fear the Jews. Like they're still trying to keep their status in society and yet he's, like you said, willing to say, no, I'm strongly going to testify and strongly do that. But then Jesus comes back and says, the Jews, you actually see this and you refuse to believe. And that's where with uh, like all of us, we stand accountable. We stand accountable for the transformation. We we stand accountable. Some of you might be sitting on this podcast and you're like, I know, but I'm not going to choose to believe it. And it's like, and that's why I think one thing I think is we get caught into is the wording of what I believe. There's what the scripture says is the truth, whether you believe it or not, right? There's that aspect of it. And so when we look at a passage like this, see the miracle, you have the choice like, eh, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But it doesn't make it not the truth. You don't have the authority of that. God's word has the authority. God has the authority for what is truth and what is not. And that's a reminder for you, like, as you read this, is that kind of be accountable, just like the Jews. Like, you're accountable for what you know, what you see. And you can, again be transformed by that or you can choose not to believe it which puts you into a place of judgment for before christ no chad i i really appreciate the the focus that you gave us in that but as you were talking it really made me think about hey what if i'm sitting here as somebody who doesn't have like a date or time that that transformation took place. And so this person clearly knows there's a physical side that was visible and he can point to it. Some people might have like a certain time at camp or a certain situation where they sat down with parents or at a VBS or something else like that. But others, maybe it's a more gradual thing for them and they can't really pinpoint that time. What would you say to somebody who's trying to figure that out and and maybe even questioning, are they an authentic or genuine believer? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I sit in the seat of, 
I don't have that time, that day pinpointed. I know that there's a time period in my life. I would say there in seventh grade was the time I came to know Christ, that I put my trust and belief in him. And I think there's a couple questions I have is, first of all, why? Why do you think you're in right staying with God? Because I think some people say, well, I said a prayer or I did this. And that's not the actual outworking of what should give you confidence. Confidence should be the fact that you believe and you continue to believe that Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. And it's a reminder, like the two, two people who really know where you stand with the Lord is God himself and you. And it comes down to like, that's what I love about first John is that as you read first John and kind of go in that he gives all these evidence of believers. And one of those evidence is one, there's a belief that continues. And two is that there's a transformational work happening in your life that you can, there's a greater love, there's a greater holiness, there's a greater just walk with God. And that's what it's more about. Like, what's the evidence of the transformation in your life? Because this guy was changed, transformed, and he shows transformed. He didn't sit there and continue to beg. He didn't continue to act like he was blind. No, he actually like, oh, I have to live life differently. And I think that's where we get the opportunity to say, where, what do we believe? Is our trust fully in God and knowing that he's Lord and Savior? And there's no, I'm unashamed about that. And then two, is there a transformation that is evidence of something? Like when I look back at my life, like early on, there was transformation. One thing was, I just, and this was for me just personally, I wanted to read my Bible more. Now, if you looked at my character, the character had some other things that were a slow go. I was mudding through the wars. One, because I didn't know. Two, I was still wrestling with just what holiness looks like in my life. And so that's where we have to look at that and start to evaluate. But it comes down, it's not based on my fruit. It's based on my belief. And if I'm saying what the, God's word says is true and affirming that, then that's what it says about me as a sinner. And then what it says about my need for Christ and that I have to believe in that. That's what the evidence of salvation actually is. Thanks for sharing that, Chad. And even as you started to share that, I, I kind of laughed a little bit to myself because I didn't know that for you. You know, when I asked that question for some people, I don't know, hey, does Chad have that day or does Chad have that gradual progression? And so as we think about that, I hope that's encouraging to those individuals that are struggling with that. Because I know for many people that I've talked to, they struggle over a long period of time to say, hey, if I don't have that point in time, am I actually a believer if I can't point back to this thing? And so as you've challenged us to think about, hey, what are the evidences? What is it that we can see in you ultimately as an individual can know about that transformation that's taking place and that you can then grow in the assurance that comes with that. Thanks so much, Chad, for coming on today and helping us to focus in on this passage. And as always, I want to encourage you guys as you think about this, number one, think about the questions that we've asked about transformation. Think about that for you. Have you seen that transformation take place in your life? Do you have that assurance that we're talking about? If not, come talk to somebody about that. Or if you have another question that's coming out of this passage, there's many other things that we could talk about. Some of you guys remember I taught on this passage at our Winterfest, and so you might have some things that are still working in through that that you could bring to help others who might have questions from this passage. But whatever it is, collectively be studying God's word with other people so that you're sharpening each other, you're encouraging one another, you're building one another up so that you can all walk in obedience. Know today you were loved. You're-